2: Welcome, welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio on the cusp of the Bank Holiday Weekend. Oh, I love Bank Holiday Weekends and of course a mid-term break coming up next week. They're all off school and will be looking for things to do. What's next? What's next? What's next? You know yourself. Anyway, I hope the weather is nice next week or reasonable that people can get out and about and enjoy the long break and the time off school. Welcome to the show. The usual's on Friday. We have your comedy, a TV theme to be identified. Sport with David. Rick Cronje has the wine for us. Iron Gadden recommends the books. Well, you can't go wrong, can you? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text gets us to the show this afternoon. But we begin with halloween yes it's next tuesday and we have a special late lunch for you next tuesday with halloween running right through the show but today i am delighted to say hello can i call her the queen of halloween i will indeed it's dr sarah cleary afternoon sarah
3: hi
2: how are you thanks for having me on the show not at all but you are this is you you love this time of year don't you
3: I absolutely adore it. I live for it. Uh, well, I mean, to be honest with you, in our house, it's Halloween, 12 months of the year. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, really, this is just an accelerated, deep, sped up version of it, really.
2: Well, can I let you into a little secret? Maggie Maguire, who's one of our colleagues here, has a Christmas tree up All year. I challenged her to leave the Christmas tree up from last Christmas for the 12 months. And listen to this, Sarah, you love it. So, with the seasons, she's changed the decor on the tree. You'd want to see it for Halloween and the office above. You'd be proud of her, Sarah.
3: I love that idea but I mean the thing about it is you know the Irish pagans we have a knack for decorating and we always seem to have some sort of
2: kind of um, decoration up so that's a pretty pagan thing I love that Mm, It's fantastic and we love it too Uh, in general we all love it but I think it's great I really do and she's really got into spirit of it and she is Mrs Christmas You're Mrs Halloween she's Mrs Christmas (laughs) and she can't wait this'll be changed now and then we're in full flight for the Christmas season but look at where does this come from with you can you remember Remember, where did this begin? This, where was the seed sown that you love this so much?
3: I think, I think, like every little girl, I loved fairy tales, and I remember my dad would would would, te- would, would read fairy tales for me at night time, and I was always the child who wanted the gory one. Mm. I was always the one who wanted the one with monsters, and very early on, I kind of levitated towards the monsters because I realised that the monsters were actually my friends. They weren't something to be afraid of. It was actually the people
2: to mm. be afraid
3: of. So they were. They, I just was drawn to this idea of the dark side very, very early on in my youth.
2: As Irish people, you know, are we different to the rest of the world? Because I'm just thinking of the banshee, the fairies, mm. uh, the little people, the fairy rings, the trees you don't cut down. You know what I'm talking about? Are we yeah. peculiar in that sense? I
3: think... Irish people have the most amazing ability for storytelling. First and foremost, I mean, even if you're in the pub, if your if your mate is telling you a story about his mother-in-law, you end up finding out your mother-in-law's maiden name from you know. <laughs> and yes. They go off on this meandering story <laughs> where, in which you know what you know what color underwear everybody is wearing by the end of the story. And we have this amazing ability to be able to tell these stories. And one of the most powerful means of storytelling is horror. Yeah. And we can create these amazing scenarios, true, spooky, gothic horror stories that explain really complex things about life. And that's essentially what fairy tales are. Yeah. And that's what um, what folklore is about. It's about using fantastical stories to explain
2: Everyday occurrences. Mm, good. Uh, that's a point well made. I'm just listening to you there, and uh, it really makes sense what you're saying. And on the uh, on the other side, like I'm just trying to link this Irishness. Hadn't Bram Stoker something to do with Ireland? Hasn't he? He's uh, uh, Bram Stoker is yeah, Irish. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for reminding <laughs> me. I knew. I knew we had we the, the King of Horror. He 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 certainly is one of us. So they, well, we rest our case. Really.
3: Absolutely. I mean, like, if you look back in Irish history, the the, the our connection with Gothic and, and, and horror authors is massive. Like, I mean, Bram Stoker was from Ireland. Sheridan Laferneau was from Ireland. I mean, we have this amazing history of Irish Gothic literature. And it really feeds in again to this idea that Irish people, we we're not afraid of the darkness. We've mm. never been afraid of exploring who we are through the prism of horror.
2: Yes. And, you know, I, I remember you, you did a piece, was it last year that I remember reading about, and you were talking about, um, you know, the the way horror, in a way, helps us deal with issues like traumas, wasn't it? And and, and uh, yeah. death and, and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. People always kind of tend to associate horror with the darkness. Mm. And I always say to people, what's the first thing you do when you come into your house late at night you know you turn the light switch on right Mm -hmm. because even though it's your house you, you don't want to fall over something and horror operates in the exact same way what horror does is it shines a light on the dark corners of life brings it into the center so we don't trip over it and we can see it for what it is explore it and really, and, and kind of un, like, understand it, and that's why I always say, horror is like it's it's an unsafe place to. It's sorry, it's a it's a it's a safe space to explore unsafe things.
2: Hmm. W- why are we attracted to it? W- what is it? What is it? You know, even people say, "Oh, you know, I closed my eyes a bit, or I couldn't <laughs> watch you. you." You know what I'm talking? But yet, we still yes. have this fascination, and we want to look. Yeah, of course.
3: Well, I suppose the thing about this is that you know. Fear is something that keeps us alive. Fear, somewhere down the line, we decided that fear is a negative thing. But actually, fear is one of the very first primal instincts that we have to not put our hand in the fire, to look left and right when we're crossing the road so we don't get squashed. So fear keeps us alive. So first and foremost, it's it's a positive thing. Mm. Then after that, then, really, fear, when we, we engage with fear... It creates a dopamine release in the very same. You often hear people talking about roller coasters and things like that. Yes. And we have this dopamine release through playing with fear. And if you think about it, even before we're even sentient, the very first game we play as children, when we're in the when we're in the pram with our parents, is peekaboo. Mm. And the parent will cover their face, and the baby will go, "Where's mommy gone?" And then ma- and mommy will go, "Peekaboo." And baby will giggle. Yes. And essentially what you're doing there is you're scaring your baby. (laughs) (laughs) And the baby responds with a giggle. Yes. So it goes back even pre, pre, pre sentience. We have this kind of natural um, um, uh, affiliation with fear and pleasure
2: so it's there from the earliest times God am I? I'm just picturing that at the moment as you say there and it is <laughs> so true it really really is where do you stand on you know Of course, there's graphic stuff and shocking stuff online and that as well. And, you know, thank God we have a censorship when it comes to mainstream movies and cinemas and that. Where do you stand on the point of, you know, today? No, you can't let your children look at that. Now, I'm not saying the extreme stuff, but even, you know, PG and, and whatever age limit it is. Where do you stand on that? Do you believe stuff like that can affect children negatively?
3: No, not at all, actually. I, I believe that children have a right to fear. And I think that if you actually look at a lot of horror, it is very pro-child and it's very child-centric because what it does is, is it explains the world in a very simple way. Here's the monster. Here's the good person. And oftentimes horror is a really powerful allegory about how to behave in life and how to keep our people and children safe. If you look at the a lot of 80s horror, which is now really having a resurgence mm. in the last, we'll say, five years, yes. ten years, with Stranger Things and and, and and Midnight Club and this sort of thing. Basically, what all of those films are essentially saying is parents listen to your children because when the child says there's a monster under the bed it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a monster under the bed. It means that the child has some sort of trauma it wants to talk about and we're ignoring it. Mm. And what horror does is it takes that to the extreme and there is a monster under the bed. And if the parent actually did listen to the kid, that would be the end of the film. (laughs) (laughs) But, so you'll find that even a lot of uh, quote-unquote over-18 or adult horror still puts the child first, And it's the adults that neglect the child. So I think it's it's always a really, really powerful message to protect our most vulnerable. And horror does that and says
2: it loud. Mm. What is it? You know, myself and Louise went over a few years ago to Causey Farm to Pharmaphobia. Oh, I, I love it. Oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I did one as well up in Dundalk uh, uh, a few years before that as well. And it was acted by students from DKIT, a whole horror. It was unbelievable. And look at me at my age and me screaming <laughs> for my <me> life <laughs> and the sweat rolling out of me and Louise in the same boat in Pharmaphobia. Wh- wh- what is it about it?
3: it's this pleasure it's this pleasure aspect it's the dopamine release we have this um, it, it, as I said, it's a primal release that we have that acts in the very same way as adrenaline, mm. and it's like this idea of um, you know when you're crossing the road, yes, and you don't look left and you don't look right, and your mate or your someone beside you grabs you by the scruff of the neck and pulls you back in, yeah, yeah. and before a bus comes, you have this surge which yes. actually is quite pleasurable, and what it does is it reminds you memento more you're alive. Yeah, yeah. And very often we can kind of go about life. We get up in the morning, we go to work, we talk to our friends, we engage with our family, we go to bed at night. And very seldom we actually stop and go, Jesus, I'm alive.
2: Yes, and that does that. Yeah. I I get it. I absolutely get it. Anyway, no Rocky Horror Picture Show for you this year after twenty years. Uh, all the very best because there's a, an addition on the way to the family, folks. Congratulations.
3: <laughs> there there is. Well, Rocky Horror is still going ahead. Yes. I'm just going to be sitting it
2: out this year. <laughs> <laughs> and even you will. And uh, looking to get back on the on the stage as soon as possible. Listen, you're that's very that's kind. It. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Love the conversation. And happy Halloween. Sarah. happy halloween thanks civilian. take bye. care of yourself bye that's dr sarah cleary there an acknowledged expert she is, has a master's degree in zombies and a phd in horror great i love tv
4: do watch tv tv here
3: we
4: come. tv themes tv themes with jerry kelly on the late lunch remember that tv movie we saw tv tv tv
2: Yes, I think it was Thursday night. Was it half seven? Unmissable. I shouldn't be giving you a clue. It wasn't my day anyway. Anyway, that is a famous theme song from what TV show? Let's go back, uh, Louise, to our chat with Dr. Sarah Cleary and fear and horror and Halloween. Do you know what I was thinking? I don't know whether you ever had this feeling or anyone had. When I was younger at home, 24 North Road, um, if I was coming down the stairs in the house, right, uh, at night time with no light on, I often used to think there was somebody coming down the stairs right behind me.
5: Oh! I got that feeling for ages, like hairs up in the back of your neck. Yeah, or and something. I'd run,
2: I'd, i nearly kill myself down the stairs. So I would. I actually thought there was somebody nearly breathing on my neck.
5: Oh! I and is there what a that history to your house? I no,
2: wonder.
5: No, 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 Are you no, sure.
2: No, no, I don't think so. But I had, and I had it for was ages. Was the dog? <laughs> no, 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 in our house then, there were no dogs in the house. They all had their kennels outside. They knew their place, our dogs, so they did. But uh, yeah, I had that thing, just that feeling, a, a weird, weird feeling, to be honest with you, that there was somebody mm. right behind me. Um and it went. It went. You know, it didn't. Mm. It was for a period of time, but then it went. But I, I, I I'll tell you, I am easily spooked as well. Are and you? yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. No. My. I?
5: I remember when I was growing up, there was always like we lived kind of along a road, and you know, when we were growing up, there wasn't as many streetlights at the time, and maybe not as yes. many as the estates state, up at the time. Mm. Um, but there was always kind of a legend going back, even before my mum called the mayor and the fool. OK. And the mare and the foal, and it's linked back to, was three women who, legend has it, were starved to death by a man in a house along that road. OK. And you could meet the the, the, the mare and the foal in the shape, these three women in the shape of a mare and, and a foal, or sorry, two women, or a big black dog.
2: And did you ever meet them?
5: I never did, but my mother reckons she met, she saw the dog. And really? she ran like heck home. Um, now this was this was would have been years ago. Yeah. Um, before, as I say, any street lines. But yeah, there, and I remember growing up, and you'd meet a lot of kind of elderly people at that time who've since passed away, and they'd always talk about that story or legend. There you go. But it's kind of past now. Mm. Do you know? You've kind mm. of lost that gone, ghost yeah. stories. Yeah.
2: Yeah, an awful lot. There's no doubt about it. It's it's disappeared. It's Mm. off the radar now. Not such a, a modern phenomenon. But I've never come across anything that I'd say of the supernatural or not of this world. I, I never have. But I, I talk to people and I know people who, like yourself, that mm. y- your mother mentioned there, would swear that, you know what I mean, they have seen and have encountered as well. I definitely know uh, the places where there have been spirits. One place in particular where the spirit was there and whatever, it just used to toss the place around at night time. Imagine trying to live in that place. Mm. huh? You it's wouldn't. funny,
5: even growing up, you, you wouldn't you know, be told to be safe going out in the streets, mm. but you'd always be told... um If you meet a banshee You pick up the comb and you throw it back at her (laughs) Oh my god Yes, this time of year It's
2: Halloween, it's spooky time Anyway, no spooks with Mr Brian Kennedy And a better man Coming up after two on late lunch Yes, Irene's here with our book recommendations News and weather on the way To talk books for the next while on Late Lunch, and she loves her books, she really does. She picks them for us each month. Delighted to have her back with us from Academy Books on uh, in Southgate, south side of Drogheda. Irene Gahan, good afternoon again.
1: Good afternoon to you too.
2: Thanks for joining me on the show. Well, let's get straight to business, put everyone out of their misery. What have you picked as your book of the month, please, this month?
1: So, our book of the month is. The Lost Bookshop by Evie Woods. We've decided to go for a little bit lighter because we've been doing the Booker Prize, the Booker Shortlist for the last uh, two months so we thought we'd go for something light and fluffy, historical, little bit magical and basically described as a homage to books and book lovers a,
3: a, a book
2: lovers alike. Well, you know, you had to pick this one, being Mrs. <laughs> book Woman. Superb! You had to pick it. You had to pick it. No, I'm only, I'm only joking. i just looked. I was looking earlier today. Uh, people are loving this particular book. It's by yeah. Evie Evie Woods. Her, uh, she's the suited That's the pseudonym for Evie Gohan and she has been up there with some great ones in the recent past. Yeah. The Story Collector, the Heirloom, and the Mysterious Bakery on Rue de Paris.
1: Absolutely. And there's always a bit of a theme of Paris in her books as well. Um, But this one just, I love books about books. And I know that sounds a bit cliche being a bookseller, but I do love books about books. And a lot of people like books about books, but this book has really got great reviews. Um, And it's basically about a vanishing bookshop. And it's a dual line timeline. So the past is narrated sorry, by Opaline in sort of 1921. She doesn't want to get married. Um, her brother's forcing her to get married. So she runs away to Paris to work in the famous bookshop in Paris called Shakespeare and Co. Um, and then we hear the present, tense. The present time is by Martha. Um, and she's an Irish woman who's escaped abusive uh, marriage. She's become a housekeeper. And then we have Henry, and Henry is a scholar, a uh, PhD scholar, and he's looking for a manuscript, a, lo- a, lo- a really important manuscript for his research. So all three, there's all three timelines going on, there's all three kind of stories going on at the same time, um, and they're all giving their stories, but he finds a, uh, he finds a book, he finds this uh, bookshop next to the live where Martha is, um, and then it disappears, so they all. They all kind of band together. Him and Martha band together to try and find the history of this vanishing uh, bookshop. Mm.
2: It's a lovely story, and just uh, looking at, as you said, as well at people who've read it, uh, they say if you love books and bookshops and want to get swept away by a saga of magic, love, and self-discovery, this is the book for you. <laughs> Would that sum it up, Irene? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I really, really enjoyed it, and I tell you, it's so much. It's so nice to read it. After reading the shortlist of Booker, much as I really loved two of the books on the book, I loved the books. It was so nice to read something that you could just get completely lost in and it was light and, you know, it's just really enjoyable.
2: Lovely. The Lost Bookshop by Evie Woods is Irene Gahan's Book of the Month at Late Lunch this month and available in Academy Books. Absolutely. There's where you go to get it. Let's move on to your second choice this month. And all that Irene recommends are top-class books. And sometimes it's hard just to pick one out and nominate it as the book of the month. Oh, what
1: there's a, so many, isn't it? Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. you know there really is so many.
2: And and this time of year, I'm in on myself with authors and publishers as well. You want to see me office above with books all with the god? <laughs> I could do them all day every day. I would happily day. source <laughs> that. I would <laughs> happily be <there> for <laughs> I know. For you. I, I know. that for nothing. <laughs> I know you would. Let's move on to your next pick. It's Called Geneva by Richard Armitage. Now, people would know this fella, but not as an author. This is his first book, is it?
1: This is his first book. Um, and I am I was kind of sceptical when I saw it. Um, I really was sceptical when I saw it. But um, I like my crime, and he went into crime. Um, and obviously, he's been in a lot of crime. He's been in kind of crime series, like the Harlan Coben series. Um, so he's acted in a lot of crime, but he's done a lot of crime drama. So I think this was kind of a, a segue that he, he, he's he been trying to do for a while, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's it's an interesting story, and it's a slightly different story. I mean, it, it wasn't what I was expecting, you know. Mm. Um, there wasn't a creepy old house, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. But, but basically, it's, um, it's a Nobel Prize-winning scientist, Sarah Collier. She started to... She's won the Nobel Prize for her Ebola research, but she started to show signs of memory loss um, and a very early onset Alzheimer's. Um, and she's been basically got an invitation to this prestigious concert in Geneva, a conference in Geneva, and she's really reluctant to go because of all the situation with her. She hasn't told anyone else about this, you know, her early onset Alzheimer's. But her 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 husband Daniel basically persuaded to go and he's a neuroscientist and they're unveiling a big technology so they're looking for her endorsement basically Mm. but there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes
2: (laughs) Yeah it's not just about her Alzheimer's and the conference their marriage is in focus as well and other stuff Uh, you love your crime thrillers I know but uh, for a debut it's really really strong isn't it for a debut novel
1: it is, to be fair, I really like, I'm really enjoying it. The writing is really, really good. And, you know, when I, when I heard Richard Armitage, I thought, oh, he's probably got a ghost writer. But he has actually written this. So for a first author, uh, I'm quite impressed. Mm. Um like the writing is up there with anyone else. Like you, you, you wouldn't have necessarily known um, it was his first book. And I, and I have to say, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and there's quite a few twists and quite a few bits and pieces. And I, and I'm, I'm, am a, a chapter from the end, so I'm expecting a little bit more. But I really would recommend it. So like, if you were looking for good um, presents for Christmas, I would really, really uh, for someone who likes crime. Especially when it says, trust no one, not even yourself. Mm. Um, I think Mm. that kind of says it all.
2: (laughs) It does.
1: (laughs) And he narrates it, actually. He narrates the book. Mm. Um, He does the audio. And um, the other girl who does it is... um, Oh gosh, um, I think it's called. She's called Anna Walker. She's she does the female voices in it, but the two of them acted together um, in a series there uh, years and years ago. And um, but she the the narration is really really good, and he's a fab. He narrates an awful lot of books. Yeah. And um, he's got that fabulous voice, so he does narrate a lot of books anyway. So I'm I'm yeah I'm enjoying it.
2: Excellent. So second one up today on the show uh, from Irene is Geneva by Richard Armitage. Now, your final pick today on Late Lunch, uh, A Lethal Legacy.
1: Yeah, there's an awful lot of murders going oh. on. <laughs> an awful lot of crime going on. I really like this. This is non-fiction. So this is basically written by Finn Dwyer and it's called A Lethal Legacy, a history of Ireland in 18 murders. And I really like this because he has a great podcast Tim um, Dwyer is an Irish historian, and he has a really popular broadcast called the irish history broadcast and it 's very very popular um and this is basically it 's quite interesting so this star chapter one is a, a mer- is a merger in all eighteen chapters basically and the first one is eighteen twenty one and this the last one is nineteen eighty two if that makes sense so what he 's done is he 's taken he's taken mergers that have happened that are not necessarily mainstream mergers but they happened in a particular time in history and he's so he's so like partitioned the workhouse um you know during the troubles um the poverty so like the workhouse So he's picked certain things in time that you know are very um you know, very entrenched in history. And then there's been murders. Now, they would have had a profile at the time, but we would probably have forgotten them. They're probably on the fringe of what we would have known. Um, And there's a lot of stuff then, obviously, the North or whatever as well. So Northern Ireland stuff. So he's literally taken 18 murders from 1821 to 1982. And I have to say, I really like it. It's very... um, it really gives a good insight into what's going on at the time and the background to the mergers, if that makes
2: sense. Mm. I, I'm actually holding it here in my hand as I speak to you. I've been reading it myself. I'm not finished it oh, either. Yeah, yeah, and it came in all right, and uh, it's very easy to read. It's well put together, and you know, you're right. There are. Uh, murders in this that, you know, w- would not have registered or not registered with anybody. But it spans, you know, from the formation of the state, as you say, up until the 1980s. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, right across. And he's done a great job with it, I have to say.
1: Yeah, and I really like it. It's very readable. And I. you know what? This weekend, um, the Bank Holiday weekend, the best seller list now, the list, that, the book list that will be out, The you know, the ch- Irish charts for in... Um, Irish charts for books for this weekend will give a really good indication of the kind of books that people can expect to be given for Christmas.
3: Because yes.
1: um, this weekend is is is, is the weekend um, that they will, you know what I mean, that they will be hitting the... They'll all be out. As you say, you've got loads of them there. This is the weekend that they'll all be out in time for Christmas. And I just think this is actually a really nice one to give for Christmas. Rather, Even if you don't... Even if you're not into murder, you're not into crime, it's mm. not really. It's more... Um, it's, I don't know. It's just Mary, Dr. Mary Casti is quoted on the front as this is a book as a reminder how far Ireland has come, yeah. and I think it's nice in the sense that you can pick it up and put it down. You can read the chapters individually as you go. Yes. The, you know and it gives you so much I think it would make it, you know it would be one of those ones that I think would be on
2: the Christmas list and and I suppose that's why I'm reading it that's the thing you can pick it up as you say they're all individual stories there but yeah. he's uh, researched them thoroughly put them together and, and it is eye opening and as uh, Dr. Mary Cassidy as you said she would hope that this book would be a reminder and a lesson from the past for the future if that ever works I don't know I don't think we ever learn our lessons <laughs> do we that's just the human condition as they say I Absolutely. can't let you go on the cusp of Halloween without asking you to tell me the favourite your favourite horror book you've ever read of all time
1: oh gosh well it's more a horror author I read all of um, John Herbert's books um, sorry apologies I, I read all of John Herbert's books um, years and years ago I must remember seventeen, eighteen. 18 I don't even remember the titles but they were horror and oh my gosh they terrified the life out of me <laughs> and I thought I'd never be I'd never be as scared again <laughs> and then I started reading Stephen King and I was like holy oh, moly so if you if you really want a good Halloween out of it yeah just find yourself a Stephen King to read
3: and you'll be sorted <laughs>
2: That's it and there are so many of them as well Yes, he is supreme when it comes to the horror genre. Academy Books, Southside of Droit and Southgate Centre. Irene will look after you there until the next time. Thank you so much.
1: Take care. Have a happy Halloween.
2: You too, Irene. Bye bye. That's uh, Irene Gahan there, who just loves books. She really does read so many books. That woman, unbelievable. Anyway, there you are. There's the recommendations. Enjoy. That's all I can say to you. After the break, we'll uh, have an hour laugh with our comedy. In the world we live in today, it's hard to be optimistic, isn't it? It's hard to be happy with all that's going on and you just think, I was talking about this to a good friend of mine last night. It's, I think it's one of the most difficult phases of our lives uh, in this world for one reason or another. But look at we got to plough on as best we can, and, and now laugh is great medicine, isn't it? Anyway, on late lunch each Friday we do it round about this time, and today she's coming up in a moment. It's Miss Ellie Taylor. She's married but childless. Knock, knock. Who's there? That's how it works. It's called comedy. 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 Comedy, comedy sir. Comedy. Comedy.
4: Classic comedy.
0: Classic comedy.
4: On the late lunch. I love
0: comedy. But my Beyond Kids actually helped me become a little bit of an internet sensation earlier this year. There was a single Facebook, I don't know if you saw it, it was called the Motherhood Challenge. So it's where mums were putting up five photos of themselves that made them proud to be a mother. So there were pictures of like little Ken on the beach, little Ken trying avocado for the first time, (laughs) little Ken asking, what kind of a name is Ken for a toddler? (laughs) Lovely, lovely. Now I... I not have a problem with anyone being proud to be a parent. I just saw a lot of this stuff. Thought I'm going to do the opposite. I did the. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Non-motherhood challenge. I posted five photos of myself that made me proud not to be a mother. (laughs) Four of those were pictures of me asleep. (laughs) And the fifth one was of me asleep holding a bottle of wine. (laughs) Really, really silly, right? Whacked it up on Facebook. Didn't really think any more about it. For some reason, it went bananas, right? It went viral, got shared a gazillion times, went all the way around the world. At one point, I became Woman of the Week on a Swahili parenting blog. (laughs) And it was really interesting seeing the different responses. I got back to it. So the first lot of people to write on my Facebook page were women like me, without children, saying things like, oh Ellie, thanks for giving us the childless a voice. I was like, no worries, babes, you're welcome. (laughs) And then I got some other replies, and I printed them out here. So, um, I got some replies from some mothers. So that was quite interesting. Um, like this lady, we'll call her Mummy um, Number One. She said, um, You don't understand what it feels like to become a mother, you king superficial basic bitch. <laughs> Mummy Number One. So maternal, isn't she? is other childless women started defending me against the cross mums. So there was this lady piped up, very angry. We'll call her outraged from Kent. (laughs) She said, why is this funny? Don't mock the ones who choose to be parents. Very tasteless. So then an American lady came into my rescue. Now, see if you can work out why I think she's American. Jesus Christ, woman! (laughs) No one owes you an explanation! Nobody has time for another butt hurt mommy. <laughs> Outrage from Kent comes back rather sensibly with What on earth is a butt hurt mommy? <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Then other cross-mums started replying to me, but these mums were from different countries, so they were insulting me in different languages. <laughs> Don't worry, guys, Facebook translates it for us, so we didn't miss out. <laughs> there was this lady from Mexico. Uh, now, when, when it says it, I think it means she. No wonder it does not have children. <laughs> Look at his big teeth! (laughs) Gracias, amigo, Mexico. (laughs) But this was all saved in the end by the final group who replied to me, and they made everything better. They were led by a man called Alessandro. And Alessandro says, as an Italian, I need to know what kind of wine is that?
2: Gray on your late lunch this Friday afternoon. Love that song. Love that guy. He is terrific. Up next on the show, we're raring and ready to go. He's in studio. Rick Granger is here. And today it's the Semillon grape. Listen up, wine lovers. Rick Grange is in the house. Great to see you again. You too, Cherry. Thanks for joining me on the show. Semillon, I mentioned, is the grape you're looking at today. And it's a little bit different. You have two Australians and one from France.
4: yes. That's right. So we normally compare one in the southern, one in the northern. What's your thought process (laughs) today? Well, it's a mixed bag because I really love the Simeon grape. I think it's underrated. A lot of people, the only way they know it is through a blend. Um, it's it's not common on our shelves, certainly not here. And, you know, if it, we talk about the history of it, it's such a checkered history. But it's a fantastic grape because you can virtually grow it anywhere. It's got a high tonnage um, and low acidity. And it's quite close in flavors to uh, Sauvignon Blanc and to Pinot Gris. Um, but that was also its downfall. Was it? It was, the Jerry- Declined. It, was.
2: It, it had a heyday, yeah. hadn't it? Back in the, oh. in the 50s, you tell me, it was oh. one of the most planted in the world.
4: Absolutely, Geriana. I'm giving away my age at the <laughs> same time. <laughs> it was. I mean, if, if uh, I, I just say Chile, for instance, 35,000 hectares, less than 900 now. South Africa, you know, 93% way back 100 years ago now less than 1%, and I remember as a child, you know, uh, we called it Grundreif, which means a green grape, and it was sour as anything, but that very same one, three months later at the end of the harvesting season, sweet. Mm. So, yeah, uh, brilliant, brilliant, but yeah. But as you say again today, to find it standalone
2: is uh, unusual, in this neck of the woods anyway, for sure. Um, When you talk about this... Ta- talk to me about the fungus and the botrytis in relation to this
4: yeah. grape. That's a very tricky one that they do, Jerry. And the aim of that is to make a dessert wine, a sautene. And what they do is they leave it on the vine, the, the grapes. And the fungus then takes over. And what the fungus does, it literally um, uh, sucks the water out of it. So you have this concentrated fruit flavors and particular the sugar, the natural sugar yes. in that and that is what they use to make the dessert wine so it's a very tricky mm. uh, one to do but that's really where Simeon itself stands out and uh, in, in that production mm. uh, for it.
2: So it's Cabernet, uh, Sauvignon, uh, Chardonnay and all the, you know, the very popular whites yes. you have today have now raced ahead of this poor fella.
4: <laughs> yeah, I and, and in particular, of course, uh, New Zealand, you yes. know, and they started planting in the 70s, came the 80s and in particular Marlborough. So the challenge was gone then and they took over. Mm. So, uh, but I think it'll come back, Jerry, not in terms of hectares now. But, and we see it already in Australia and in America in particular, Washington State where they're going to make high quality, high end Semillon, and we have one today pure, 100% Semillon, and I think it'll surprise a lot of people
2: Right, great, looking forward to having a, a little sip of that Um It's genetic, it's just to say again back to Sauvignon, it
4: is genetic- mm. genetically close though, to Sauvignon Blanc It's a very... Yes, it, 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 it it is but it's not uh, it's not linked so it's not part of it but Yes. yes but the the flavors everything is close to sauvignon blanc and uh to pinot gris yes correct um oak aging yes it is and we have one here um uh, again a very tricky one uh, that uh, that goes with it and it'll go against everything we've been talking about over the years but yes um and what that does it just gives it a boost yeah. you know it gives it strength and 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 uh, it just brings everything out of it and depending what you use new oak or old oak or casks that's been used previously so Again, it's up to the winemaker what his final product wants to be.
2: Are you a fan of this?
4: I am, Jerry. Mm. I, 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 get I really it. I just am. see it there. Yeah, it comes I, across. I love it. I absolutely. It's like
2: am. a forgotten child in a family, or the yes. <laughs> the runt of the litter, or the of the dark sheep, <laughs> or something. Come yeah. on, Sam Let's let's have it back. Rick is going to put it centre stage for us today.
4: Let's have a taste of the first one, can we? Uh, so yes. so, d- d- tell listeners this is Australia. This is Australia from the Margaret River and it's a 2021. Now, it's a blend. It's a Sauvignon Blanc 65% and then the Semi 35%. And again, to remind listeners, when you look at a label, again, always look at the label Whichever grape is mentioned first, you might not know the percentages, but that will be the higher. That dominates. That dominates. Correct. Okay. Correct.
2: So So. here we have, uh, as you said, a close. You know, it's not. uh, It's genetically close, but it's not uh, in the family. So you have Sauvignon here dominating sixty-five percent Semillon thirty-five. What does the thirty-five percent do for this? As I sip it.
4: I think it tones it down, Jerry. Some Sometimes you can get a Sauvignon Blanc that's extremely sharp, very green or very uh, grassy or very fruity. But this just brings it down a notch. Uh, I just have a, to say,
2: even without mm. looking at what you sent to me, right? Yes. I'll just say this to you. Gooseberries. Yes. And lemon.
4: Absolutely.
2: So it's that type of, yes, you know, yes. isn't it? It, it is yes. that. For it sure. is that.
4: Oh, no, no question about it. Absolutely no question about it. Mmm.
2: I remember robbing those gooseberries off bushes in my (laughs) (laughs) neighbours. I shouldn't have. But I'm getting that taste here again today. Fresh. It's fresh. It really is. I would have to say, now, maybe as an aperitif, but for me, I would like some food with that.
4: So what would you say? What will that pair with? Shellfish, lean fish. Yeah. Um, You know. Chicken? Chicken. Yeah, Grilled chicken, I think it'll go with that. He actually got quite a bit goat's cheese. Mm. I have to have the cheese for yeah. the table. We had Michael um, with
2: us they mm. with his goat's cheese from the Boyne Valley area. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is that your phone? No, I my... <laughs> do you hear my phone? Look what's happening. Look what's happening. My phone has started <laughs> oh, to talk to me. Go. My phone has <laughs> started to talk back to me. <laughs> that's the. Not- oh, listen, Rick. Halloween. There's something in the studio. There's something after arriving in here. Did you hear the phone responding I to do, us Sarah. talking about the wines? Well, that's a first for me
4: today. Well, I, I'm glad you said Halloween, not the wine. <laughs> Jerry,
2: put <laughs> me we'll in trouble it's now. nothing to do with the wine. I've only <laughs> had a sip of it and the name of St. Christopher. Oh, <laughs> Oh my God! Oh my, that's fantastic. Imagine it's 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 what you call her starting to talk back to me. You know you know your woman in the phone. What's her name there? <laughs> 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 that's absolutely brilliant uh anyway i have just calmed her there for the minute and she's not getting us up out of this glass. <laughs> anyway this, this is o'brien's o'brien's have Ooh, this yes, wine and do, it's australia the margaret river domain naturalisti discovery is the name on the uh, label sauvignon 65 percent Similon 35 2021 20, 20 euro and pair it with food. Yes. I would go for that, Jerry. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. I,
4: I, I, I would definitely. As always, you know, enjoy the first class just to appreciate the wine yeah. and everything. But yeah, I, I would rather go for food. You know?
2: Absolutely with this one. We're going to take a short break on late lunch. We have two more to taste and we always say alcohol responsibly with plenty of water and enjoy the night with food as well. Back with Rick in a moment. Rick Cronje is with me on late lunch. We've tasted the blend. Uh, 65% Sauvignon Blanc, 30 75% Similand. Now we're staying in Australia for a
4: Hunter Valley, and this is pure Semilon. That's 100%, Jerry. 2021, same year, same country, same uh, uh, area. Well, not the same region specifically, but the same.
2: So here is the neglected child on its own. Yes. Semilon, let's have a look at it.
4: yep, that's it.
2: Oh, no, that's a different kettle of fish. Altogether. Totally different, is it? I'd sip that on its own. Yes. Guaranteed. I can add food to it, but unlike yeah. the other one, I'd say yeah. I'd happily just quaff that there now. It's lovely. It really, really is, Rick. I, I really like it. it. It is citrusy, but not on on the same level as, uh,
4: not as strong at all as the no, first one No, not in close. No No, way. no, no, Jerry. It's a lovely sipping wine. It's light enough, but there is body to it, you know. Oh, there's, um, it, 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 there's a lasting... Taste of it
2: uh, on the palate as well. It's lovely. Yeah. It is lovely, Rick. It really is. I'd say if I was
4: doing anything without a bit of seafood, maybe, you know. Oh, definitely. Because of the lightness yes. in it, yes. uh, Jerry. But I, I would go for shrimp and if you can get some crab because it'll be a nice drier mm. side of mm. things, you know.
2: Good ve- vegan vegetarian as well.
4: Absolutely. Yeah? Especially roasted vegetables. Lovely be with that. Fantastic. Oh. Be brilliant with it, Jerry.
2: Semillon is back with Rick Cronje today yes, on Late absolutely. Lunch. Hunter absolutely. Valley Tyrrell's Semillon 2021-15. It's a good deal, isn't it? It's a From very Dunn good deal. stores, this one. From Dunn stores. From Dunn stores, yeah. this one. This is yeah. Dunn stores, folks, to go for that one. Now, first for Rick on the show today he tells me he this is completely off kilter for us on the feature why why now we're going to France yes. and what have we here is this a, a blend or a, or a similar this is a
4: blend now okay. so go back to uh, wine number one where yeah. we're at 65% and 35% so this is the same the same yeah the difference is obviously we in the Northern Hemisphere France now, yeah. in birthplace Bordeaux of Simeon. Is that a misprint there, 2014 on a white wine? Uh, no, 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 it's not. Rick. <laughs> yep. Yeah, this flies I know. in the
2: face of all you've ever A, a yes. white wine from 2014, yes. nine years
4: ago. Nine years. That's right, Jerry. And you're absolutely right. It completely against what we've been talking about. But that's the beauty of Simeon. It is such a, 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 a spectrum. It can go from very young, where it's fresh and lively yeah. and clean, up to dessert wine, mm. and then you can age it. Obviously, you need wood now mm. when you start aging mm. it, and the color will tell you that as well. And when I saw nine years, we well, couldn't pass it, could you? you had <laughs> Let's to have give a little taste. A go, you know Now you can see a deeper colour in this
2: straight away yes. look yeah, look that will be it's the age gold it's gold it's gold it's gold okay Oh, the oak on the nose straight Bang. away down absolutely oh Jerry. the oak is yeah. massive on it let's have a little taste
4: food oh without question Jerry. <laughs> without question <laughs> it's spicy it is it's spicy it's isn't it it's got something in it there and it's heavy you can feel it straight yes. away. It's full-bodied. Um, the oak. I I don't know. There was a touch of vanilla somewhere. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I like it. I like it. But
2: what 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 do we need here? What do we need here in food? A curry. Like I said it's spicy. Would a curry go yeah, well? Yeah. A,
4: a, a curry would. I, a light lightly spiced curry now I think will go well with it and you're probably looking for heavier cheeses uh, on it as well. Uh Jerry the interesting thing was last night when I first opened it no good too strong but this morning for the, the for the test <laughs> brilliant completely different so did that did that actually fox you oh totally you know, you, totally. you thought
2: initially forget about this I,
4: I thought no I made a mistake here this 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 is its itself by a date yep. it's off I wasn't sure well it wasn't off I would have picked that up straight away yeah yeah but uh, I, I <coughs> excuse me, I knew it had needed time. Um, so but, a yeah. different creature today altogether completely. by leaving the bottle open overnight, yes. and letting it, you know, breathe, Let it breathe, correct, etc. And you have this now. This. Yeah, it needs oxygen, as we said before. Oxygen can be your friend or can be your foe; depends yeah. what you want to do with it. Mm. But a completely different wine. I
2: love it. It's a gold. It's lovely. Mm. It really is beautiful in in the glass. And. Um, mm. I have to say, you know, twenty fourteen got me. As I said, I thought it was yeah, a misprint. Absolutely.
4: Did did you, fish and chips? I am going to try that definitely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, Oh white I, wine with fish and chips? Yeah, I love uh, it. I, I, I love it. I think if it's deep fried, I think that oiliness, that that woodiness, might just cut into it. I I'm definitely going to give it a go. God almighty. There you go. 2014, back to O'Brien's again. It's
2: €25, Euro, but you're talking about they've held on to it for nine years.
4: Absolutely, Jerry. If you if you look at the other ones, 20. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
2: don't, the thing about this is, folks, it's France, Bordeaux, Chateau, Villa Bel Air, Sauvignon Blanc, 65, Semillon, 35, 2014 from O'Brien's. It's a very different and unusual wine, but Rick Cronje loves it, but he's telling you, when you pull the cork, wait 24 hours and then enjoy it absolutely it's
4: lovely absolutely it general. really
2: is lovely anyway yeah. before we go today and away from the wines big day for South Africa coming up in the yes. Rugby World Cup yes I couldn't yes. let yeah. you go are yes. you going to win it Rick? we are Terry oh, we what are confidence. definitely what confidence definitely the All Blacks are a big challenge
4: aren't they but oh it'll be a game your guys it'll are going to do it yeah yeah,
2: two in a row, Rick. If you win this weekend, yes. fantastic, isn't yes. it? Yeah. No, no,
4: we yeah. believe in the boys, and I think we will do it. Fantastic team.
2: Well, we wish you well because we beat you. You did? But we're gone. That's the way tournaments work. That's the way it is. We want you to win it. We want you to win it. New Zealand beat us as well. You know, there'll be probably people, but it would be fantastic to see South Africa win it for a second time. Wonderful. Rick Cronje, for the moment, we'll see you in November. Thanks for bringing us the Similon and bringing it back centre stage again. See you next time. Thank you. Now let's reprise our TV theme. Y5O no sorry The Saint no 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 Top of the Pops yes that was the theme from Top of the Pops one of the main themes for years and years and winning our prize on Late Lunch today Kay Byrne from Haystown in Navin well done to you we'll have it on its way to you this very evening and thanks to everybody who entered today now let's do this on Late Lunch
4: Five, four, three, two. One. counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear
2: and today it's the number one from 1991 and what a number one it is the lead single from robin hood prince of thieves the movie number one in 19 countries worldwide 16 weeks at number one in the uk the longest ever at top spot 15 million sales worldwide And Mr Brian Adams' most successful song for you on Late Lunch Today, our number one, Yes Everything I Do. Look into my
3: eyes, you will see, yeah I died
1: for you, you know it's true.
2: Mr. Brian Adams and Everything I Do, are number one from this very week in 1991. What a wonderful, wonderful song. Still holds the record, 16 weeks at number one consecutive in the UK. Final break of the day and week. Up next is Sport with David Sheehan. Sport with David Sheehan. He's ready to uh, roll with us. Afternoon, David. Afternoon, Jerry. Thanks for joining me again on the show. League of Ireland tonight. Dundalk home to Bowes tomorrow evening. Draw to travel west to Sligo. A pair of dead
6: robbers. No, <laughs> absolutely not, not to, not, to, not, tonight, not tonight, I mean, uh, there'll be a lot of rubber flying on that artificial pitch in, in Oriel Park, but it's by by no means a dead rubber, as we know, Dundalk, like, they have to win, they have to win tonight against against Bohemians, they're currently sitting in sixth place, they need to get to fourth, and hope that St. Pat's win the FAI Cup, that's that's their goal, but it's also, that that's also the goal for Bohemians, it's also the goal, uh, well, Bohemians are obviously in that cup final, but also the goal for Shelburne as well, but you would have seen it, Cherry. Like this, this game has being played against the backdrop of that statement that came out from Dundalk last night, and I really wonder what Stephen O'Donnell makes of it because I don't think the timing of that has been helpful to him. He is now going to find himself fielding questions tonight after the game about Pat Hooven's future, about Daniel Kelly's future, about contracts, about next season. Now he would have he would have had to face those questions anyway. But probably not necessarily tonight. Um, he might have faced them in the next in the next week or two after the season was over. But the statement last night from Dundalk which they, in which they confirmed the talks of potential investment in the club are ongoing. They also made reference to all these wild rumours uh, going around on social media. As they said themselves, many of them are a mixture of pure speculation, half-truths and simple falsehoods as well maybe if there'd been a bit more clear communication prior to this this wouldn't you know this wouldn't necessarily the statement wouldn't necessarily need to be made and again from looking at some of the reaction from the Doc fans yesterday evening and from speaking to one or two of them this statement that they put out last night doesn't really shed any light on anything it's more of a, a sort of a holding statement mm. to let people know to let people know that there is something happening but we won't be able to tell you at the, bit, at the minute what it is and they ask everybody to get behind the team and give us some space. But I think there's a lot of frustration around Oriel Park amongst the supporters about what's been going on there and the possibility, as I said, that Pat Hoopin could leave the club. Um, so that game tonight, uh, there's enough riding on it as it is, but this this other stuff going on off the pitch has just added a little bit more, I suppose, uh, fuel to that game. And I, I, I do wonder if Stephen O'Donnell would have rather that that statement was released tomorrow rather than last night. But look, that's that's beside the point. It's out there now. And Dundalk have to go on and get get about their business on the pitch and try and get that win. And it's a game that they're well capable of winning. Bohemians haven't um, haven't lost to Dundalk yet this season. But you know the last home game against Strahda, they were they were very good that night. It was a passionate crowd uh, supporting them as well. Uh, so it, look, it's a must-win game for Dundalk. Um, would I put a lot of money on the winning it? Probably not. I think a draw is probably maybe a, a, a reasonable outcome in that one. But they have to win it and. I think there's just a lot of fear around the club and amongst the supporters about what's going to come in the next few months and into next season. There's talk that they might be going back to a part-time or a hybrid model. So, yeah, look, Jerry, the game tonight is massive for them. European football is still there for them, hanging by a thread, albeit. But uh, I think, you know, whatever happens tonight, the, the next couple of months are going to be very interesting. We talked about the, the investment that they are going to get in. We'll, we'll see where that goes. But Dundalk, it feels like they're in a little bit of a precarious position at the minute. And... Um, yeah it's going to be very interesting to see what comes out of that in the next few weeks if that investment that comes in is significant or if it's just going to be something to kind of tide them over until they can maybe get, get more money in and a bigger sum in down the line but never a dull moment in the League of Ireland Jerry yeah. never just,
2: anyway Dundalk to win you're predicting Sligo draw to it tomorrow night dead rubber maybe for a position on the table that's all
6: well, well, it is for, it is for Drogheda, but for for Sligo, I mean, they're still not safe technically. They're only six points ahead of Cork City, and Cork have a game in hand. So, um, so you know, I, I expect Sligo to to squeak safe, but you know, they're in a bad run of the form themselves at the moment. Dundalk had a good win there last weekend. So, uh, Drogheda are in a, a bit of disarray them themselves. They've been lucky enough with injuries throughout the season, but they've got a spate of injuries now. Ryan Brennan's out, Dale Rooney's out, Darren Markey is doubtful. Um, so, I would. I would expect Sligo to, to, to nick that one, maybe 1-0. Not a not a huge amount riding on it for Drogheda, but they'll look to bounce back from that hammering on, on, on Monday. I know Kevin Daugherty was very angry about that one, even though they had to feel a bit of a weakened team, but he'll be looking for a bit of a response but Sligo, like, oh, just in, in in more need of a point or of points than Drogheda. So I think that they'll, they'll maybe just sneak a 1-0 there. OK, on to the Premier
2: League. Uh, Spurs play Crystal Palace tonight. The league leaders in Ange, we believe, say the Tottenham fans. And I got a message in during the week. I was talking about nightmare scenarios and somebody
6: said if Tottenham win the league, it'll be a nightmare scenario for them. They're going well, aren't they? They're flying. Yeah, they really are. And he seems to have brought a huge amount of... Um, of goodwill with him. And, and like we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think Um, he's a very likable guy and he's a very, he's a very open guy. I was listening to a conversation about Celtic during the week and they talked about Brendan Rodgers being back and they, they spoke about pasta Coglu when he was there. And one of the reasons that he had that you know great relationship with the supporters was that he was, he was very open and he was very honest in his dealings. You know, you hear him speak and he tends to answer most questions that he gets fairly straightforwardly and fairly honestly. There's no PR BS or any of this nonsense that you hear. Some managers trotting out. He's a very affable guy. So you know, it's it's hard not to dislike. It's hard to dislike Ange Postacoglu and and indeed Spurs at the minute with the way they're playing. Yeah. Top of the table. Um, not missing Harry Kane at the moment. Uh, obviously, an injury to Son or something like that could change things. But James Madison has come in, and I was chatting to a Spurs supporting friend of mine during the week. And Madison is a player that you would have described as a typical sort of Spurs player in the past. And so far as he's a, a lovely footballer, maybe maybe just that kind of. Slightly below the top level, but not looking like that at the minute. He's absolutely no. flying. So yeah, Crystal Palace are, are always a little bit sticky. I, I get I get uh, at Selhurst Park. I should say they're 11th at the minute. So you'd expect you'd expect Tottenham yes. to win that one. I, I'd expect it to be a tight game, but I'd expect Tottenham to maybe win that one with a little bit to spare. They're going well at the moment.
2: Man U, Man City, Manchester Derby. In a word, United are at home, but you'd have to go with City, wouldn't you, in this one?
6: Yeah, he would. You know, United got out of jail during the week with the safe from Onana. They're not playing particularly well. Um, City are, are, are going along nicely, albeit they've, they've lost two of their last three. But you would expect City to bounce back in terms of their recent form in that game. And United just, they haven't been playing well at all. They, they got away with it during the week. Uh, I don't think they're going to get away with it against Man City on the weekend. So, yeah, I'd expect Manchester City to win that one.
2: Rugby World Cup final. We had Rick Cronjay with us uh, a little while ago. Of course, South Africa is going to win. He told us no doubt about it. What do you think?
6: South Africa or New oh, Zealand? I mean, it's. I was thinking about it during the week. You know, I actually think I'd like to see New Zealand win it. When you when you think of the powerhouses that we have in this final, the two, you know, probably the two most successful teams in, in World Rugby over the years. Um. I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling this 7-1 split that South Africa keep going with or have gone with for this final, at least. They've, they've obviously left Libok out of the 22 completely. Pollard comes back in at 10. Seven forwards, one back on the bench. That's going to catch up with them at some stage. Um, so if a couple of lads blow out their hamstrings in the backs in the first 10 minutes, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. But um, they're just so tough and so doughty, Australia, or sorry South Africa. Um, it's hard to see them... They always seem to find a way, but mm. I don't know. I've I I've a sneaking suspicion that New Zealand are gonna are gonna turn this one on its head and and get a win. But I'm really looking forward to it because it's a clash of styles to an extent, and it's going to be a real a real war. Um, I'm going to go for New Zealand just to sneak okay. this one, Jerry.
2: We'll leave that with you. Anyway, we'll beg to differ with Rick. May the best team win. <laughs> anyway, David's uh, here for Sunday Sport on Sunday and uh, the game. I'm not. I'm not, not Jerry. Oh,
6: I'm off. Oh, I'm on a day not. off. It's oh, well. My, it's, enjoy- my birthday on, it's my birthday on I Sunday, was, so I'm, taking, I'm uh, taking a well-deserved
2: break. A, a little birdie told me that, yeah. A little birdie told me. Happy <laughs> birthday, David, and enjoy your day, off. And We'll talk to you next week, please, God. Thanks very much. Take Jerry. care now. Bye. That's David Sheehan there who won't be along for Sunday sport on Sunday but he is celebrating his birthday. That's it on Late Lunch for this week. Big thank you to you our listeners who join us every day. To our guests through the week we really do appreciate their company. And to my producer Louise Walsh I couldn't do it without her. Eddie Caffrey is coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. Enjoy the bank holiday weekend. Have a good time regardless of the weather. Take care and we will be back on Halloween Day with a special show next Tuesday. We'll see you then. Take care. Bye.
6: Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined.